Hello, this is Yara Stark, and welcome to another Entrepreneur's Journey interview. Today on the line with me, I have someone I'm really looking forward to talking to because I've personally been uh, running a business, or at least a startup, in this industry, and uh, this particular person has by far uh, one of the leading companies in the space, so I, and I know how hard it is <laughs> to achieve that, having worked in the field myself for the last two years, so um, I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the story of uh, Todd Garland, who's on the line. So, Todd, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Yara, for having me. So, Todd is the uh, current uh, founder and CEO of uh, BuySellAds.com, which is a direct advertising network. I think that's what you would call it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I guess it's, it's, uh, it's an advertising marketplace, um, for, for lack of a better term. It's, it's not necessarily an ad network, um, but definitely an advertising marketplace. Right. So essentially, you help people monetize their websites by selling uh, display advertising for them. So banners, um, and you have a few other services in, in the Twitter <laughs> and um, email newsletter advertising, that sort of space. Yeah, exactly. Basically, if uh, if a publisher has any sort of audience that they can monetize, uh, we'll help them do that. Okay. Now, in 2011, uh, you were stated as making $8.5 million from this business because you entered the Inc. 500 uh, fastest growing companies. And that's correct, right? We don't have this in Australia. So is it fastest growing startups or fastest growing companies? Or uh, Yeah, so, so um, what it is is... Um, Inc. Magazine literally takes your either your tax forms or like an audited financial statement from your accountant, and you have to submit them for uh, the first year, which for us would have been 2008, and then three years later, which was 2011. And basically, they take the growth in revenue between those two years, and that's how they put forth this list that they call the Inc. 500. Okay. Um, and so uh, what's interesting about that is that it's not like most other lists that are out there about companies um, in that it's not a popularity contest. It's, it's actually based on purely revenue. Um, and just to, to clarify, it's um, U.S. companies only. So clearly there's you know, a lot more out there. But, um, well, the point being you're in charge of a company making more than $8 million a year. Uh, and, I, and I'd love to learn more about, obviously, buy-sell ads. But we need to go back in time and, and get, uh, get Todd's story from the beginning so, uh, Todd, where were you born and raised, and, and did you go to uh, university? Sure. Um, so I was born and raised in a little town in Maine, in southern Maine, called Cape Porpoise. And um, Cape Porpoise is, is actually part of a larger town in Maine uh, that's better known, uh, called Kennebunkport. Um, and the reason why Kennebunkport is known is because there were a couple presidents who summer there, uh, both of the Bushes. Um, so, uh, while I, I don't, uh, claim any sort of political affiliation, um, if I say Kenny Bunkport, some folks will know where that is. Okay. I claim to fame. Yeah, exactly. Um, is, and, it, is it an entrepreneurial hotbed? Um, well, you know, it, it's a tourist town, right? So like, I think any tourist town, there's definitely, uh, you know, there, there's hustle involved because you have all these rich people infiltrating your town every summer and you have to try to figure out how to make money from them, you know? <laughs> Did you attempt this too? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, I, I think, I, I guess my fondest memories of uh, childhood would be trying to sell some of my parents' items from the house when they weren't paying attention out on the street. Um, I'd set up these impromptu yard sales and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> Without them knowing. Well, I definitely got in trouble a few times, you know, because I, I was like, so, like, I remember one time I sold my dad's stereo system and he wasn't happy at all. So, <laughs> what did you get for it? Was it market value? Or? I, I mean, I had no concept of what it was worth. I think I made like 20 bucks, you know. So, <laughs> I could understand why not the upset. <laughs> exactly. yeah. So, that was your, your lemonade stand, basically, your first kind of business as a kid. Yeah, that was my lemonade stand. But I, I'd say the, the work um, I'm, uh, I don't know if I should say most proud of, but the work I enjoyed most when I was growing up um, was uh, in high school. And that was actually washing dishes at a restaurant. Um, and it's not to like paint some sort of rags to riches thing. I actually thoroughly enjoyed washing dishes because I could sit there and do this repeatable thing without really putting much thought into it. Uh, and it's kind of like software. I mean, I, I don't want to say that, you know, you don't put much thought into software, but once you have it built, it's, you know, the, the thinking that you do, um, 
isn't as intense as it was building. You just kind of try and sell it and repeat it over and over again. Mm. You know? Okay. That's an interesting analogy. I was sort of thinking that maybe you were a stoner when you were a teenager or maybe you were really Zen. So you just liked sitting there and <laughs> washing the dishes, but what you said is a lot better. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was a straight shooter, man. I, um, uh, I think in high school I missed like one day in four years. Um, so I was, a uh, I was a shy straight shooter kind of guy. So. Okay. And that led to uh, university. So before I went off to university, I actually studied abroad in, uh, in Brazil for a full year. Um, and so that was a year between high school and college. Like a gap year? Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I actually think that was probably one of the more formative times of my life, I think. Um, just because I think, you know, anytime you experience, you know, a different culture and kind of have to ingrain yourself in a, in a different way of life overall, it's a pretty eye-opening type experience, especially outside of the, the, the States, you know. Right, and you're 18, so, you know, that's pretty young. <laughs> it's the, a new culture, a new language. Um, must be challenging. Did you just sort of study, what, what is it called? Is it like a, a, a diploma, or what, what is the gap year? Is it a course? Or? See, see this, this is the best part. I, I didn't have to return with any sort of accomplishment whatsoever other than saying, like, you know, I submerse myself within the culture and learn the language and stuff like that. Um, I didn't need any more credits to graduate high school. And of course, um, you know, that year abroad didn't really impact my ability to get into a college. And so it was, it was more so just, uh, uh, I don't want to say a vacation because I worked hard while I was there, but, um, you worked hard doing what? Uh, I mean, I, I think what I meant by worked hard, I worked hard to, um, you know, I guess submit myself to their culture and, and, and try and, take in all that I could. Um, so, but you weren't studying university lectures or high school courses or anything like that. It was just living in Brazil and learning the language. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I went to high school, um, but I guarantee you all the days that I didn't skip school in my regular high school, I definitely skipped in Brazil. So <laughs> well, probably a bit more distracting there, more things to go out and do. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, so you, you come back from Brazil and then you go straight into high school, uh, sorry, university? So before I went to university, I actually took some computer classes at a community college. How come? Uh, to be honest, I just I had no idea what I really wanted to do. Um, I remember I took a Photoshop course, which I really loved, um, and I took a course in um, like operating a, like a, you know, a, a video camera like on a, on a movie set or something like that. Right. Um, and then I was, you know, working another, you know, part-time job. I was landscaping that, that fall. Um, and I think it was more so I was still kind of decompressing from my year abroad, um, and trying to figure out what my next steps would be because while I was still in Brazil, I hadn't really planned forward for attending some sort of university. Um, and so that fall was when I was kind of getting all my ducks in a row. And then that's when I applied to a university and started there, um, in that winter. So. Can you put a timestamp on this? Like when, when you came back from Brazil, what year was it? So we know where the internet was at the time. Yeah, sure. So uh, I was in Brazil between 1999 and 2000. And so I came back from Brazil the, the summer of 2000 and then started college the winter of 2001. Okay, so we're looking at the dot-com boom, basically, was when you were starting college. Exactly. Um, and... I actually, I didn't have my first computer, I don't think, until um, I was actually in Brazil. Right. So you're not exactly what you call a child prodigy when it comes to developing software and, and having a business. You were selling your dad's stuff on the street. <laughs> but besides yeah, that, no. there wasn't really anything else in terms of your background. No, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm no prodigy whatsoever. <laughs> okay, well... That. So you go into university then, a college, sort of not really sure what to do. What, what degree did you do? So I, I actually studied Portuguese. <laughs> of course uh, you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, um, I already spoke Portuguese, so but I didn't really know what I actually wanted to do. But at the time, I was I was building websites, um, and so I, I mean, to be honest, I don't really know what I was thinking. I didn't really have any sort of like very direct plan for my life at that point. I was just living, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to go to school and, um, you know, I'm not going to lie here in the States, like school for some people isn't all about studying. Like 
for me, maybe that's what I should have been focused on. Um, but it, I didn't have it all put together yet. I didn't have that puzzle figured out. So you basically went to parties, what you're saying. Well, uh, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I was just having a good time. Good time yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> having the college experience, but maybe not so much focused on the education. But maybe your parents don't want to hear that, right? Nothing that matters now because you're in charge of a company. So, um, Yeah, I don't want to sound like a total screw, but I mean, um, <laughs> you know, let's be honest. I went to college majoring in Portuguese, for which I had absolutely no intention of ever, you know, you know I, I had no idea how I would actually apply that to my life from there that from that point forward um I was thoroughly ingrained in building websites and and knew that was something that I loved to do at the time but there was no real sort of structure or coursework around anything like that um I mean certainly there's definitely uh you know computer science but my brain is is much more creative than technical in that sense you know right and and in terms of building websites you were basically taught from those those courses you did and self-taught is that it? Yeah, I'd say more so self-taught. Um, when I returned from Brazil, I, I actually started a website called the International Exchange Student News, right. um, and that's really what you know is my first experience building something online. And um, you know, I, I had to figure out how to do it because I had I couldn't afford to pay anybody to build the site for me. Um, and that was a hobby, though that that never became like a, a money-making business. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it was funny. Somebody, I think people would email me to to buy ads on the site. And um, I was just, it's like, I was like, what? You want to pay me to put something on the website? No, I mean, this isn't really for that. This is just for exchange students. You know, I, I totally didn't get it. <laughs> well, good thing you figured it out eventually. So take us forward then. So you're doing, uh, it's 2000, you're, you're more sort of the first few years of 2000. You're doing a Portuguese qualification at, at college. But you're also building websites. Uh, I, I'm assuming that's kind of like you're spending money, the, the money you made from building websites, right? Um, Definitely. Uh, did you start a business then after graduation or what happened? Um, wow. Uh, so that's actually a really good question. You probably didn't know that you were walking into that question. I won't lie. My life literally fell off a cliff um, in 2003. Right. Um, and the reason why is because both my parents actually passed away within two months of each other. Oh, wow. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the party and good time at college came to a screeching halt. And that was unrelated how they died or. Yes, it was, it was, it was unrelated. So you did not see this coming. That's for sure. No, no, not at all. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Well, that, how did you, <laughs> how did you continue from that point forward then? So. I mean, I, I think for me at that point, um, because I had fallen behind a, a full semester in college and most of my friends were actually already a semester ahead of me because I had started halfway through the year um, when I first started college. Um, and so all of a sudden they were all graduating and I was still going to be there for another full year. You know, having my parents just died, I was like, oh, great. So now I'm going to be here trying to deal with this. Um, clearly my parents aren't around. Now all my friends are going to be leaving you know, I'm going to go crazy in this place in Western Mass. Like, you know, um, it's just not going to work. And so I literally, I, um, I still didn't really know what to do. I'm not going to lie. Um, and I sent around some, my resume to a few, I, th- I actually thought it was fun at the time. I was like, I'm just going to send my resume to some of these companies in Boston and see what happens. <clears throat> and, um, luckily I, I ended up meeting with these two other guys who had, um, I guess what we called an interactive agency at the time. And, um, you know, they were just in the process of really starting that company and stuff like that. And so I actually entered at a great time, um, took a full-time job there and it was, you know, all of a sudden I was no longer in college. So I guess you could say I'm a a dropout. Okay. So Uh, you actually didn't finish the the degree. That's correct. Um, so I didn't finish the degree. Um, I still want to, um, but it's definitely taken a back seat in terms of, uh, you know, where I spent my time. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so you're working at, what was it, an interactive agency? So what do they do? So basically the same thing I was doing freelance. We, we built websites for other people. We managed, um, you know, search marketing campaigns. We, uh, we sold SEO before we even really knew what SEO was, you know. Um, kind of back in those times when um, it's like the whole pitch was, you know, 
a website as an online brochure, as crazy as it sounds, like that was literally like part of the pitch that actually made us a, a decent amount of money back then. Yeah, so. right. Okay, so you're sort of capitalizing on that initial move with all these companies wanting to have a web presence, and really that was, I guess, the early days in some some regards. So static brochure websites. Uh, did advertising come into it by then? Are you starting to see that as a revenue stream anywhere, or, or are we still far away from kind of seeing the vision? Uh, we're, we're getting closer, um, but um, more so, I mean, we were, we were spending advertisers' money managing paid search campaigns. Right. Um, and so... Was that pay-per-click, though? Yeah, that was yeah. pay-per-click. Okay. Um, and around the same time, um, I'd say after I'd been working there for a couple of years, I started playing around with some, some websites as a hobby. Um, and so one of the sites I ran was CSSElite.com, which was just another one of those CSS galleries, which were a dime a dozen back in the day. I'm assuming by now you've actually developed some good design skills because if you're starting a CSS-based website, you, you obviously have an eye for design or, or care about that, that industry a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think I, think I could say that, um, I mean, I built a lot of sites for a lot of clients um, and... Uh, you know, I definitely discovered some sort of uh, good fit there with my personal skills in terms of CSS. I mean, that's back when um, you know we were we were first switching from tables to CSS-based layouts, um, and luckily that whole thing kind of clicked in my mind early on. Um, and that's when I, I I feel like in terms of my actual skills, they started to to really accelerate. Okay, and and in terms of your entrepreneurialism at this stage, you know, you're an employee still. You haven't really had a business yet. Are you hating being an employee, or is it okay? Like, what, where's your attitude towards breaking free from that nine to five role? So, I actually, um, I actually owned um, a small percentage of that business. Okay, uh, and so um, it, it was almost like a partnership. Like the the two guys were were much older and much more experienced than I. They owned the lion's share, uh, but I did have a small chunk and, and, and got distributions from that. So it was actually a great great little gig straight out of college. Um, well, you know, uh, for a dropout, of course. <laughs> uh, and you were getting a salary, I presume, too. So, yeah, exactly. So, were you experiencing like a startup company there? Did you, did you sort of notice the the dynamic nature of the business, or were you really just putting putting out websites and you were sort of, you know, doing the grunt work for clients? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely doing more grunt work. Um, I'd say, I mean, back then, that's like so. We're talking two thousand five now, right? Uh, you know, I, I still feel like the whole startup thing was pretty, pretty um, young, um, and I myself was incredibly naive. Um, I mean, for example, like I didn't even really know what venture capital was, or like I had no like if somebody said venture capital to me, I'd probably just nod my head and smile. You know. Mm. Okay, uh, so you're involved in this company, then how does uh, and you start a CSS website? Now that website actually had a big part to play, didn't it, in eventually launching buy sell ads is that right it did okay so is it, is it safe for us to jump into that connection now or is there any any little businesses we're missing out on here no that's it i mean it was i had those two sites css elite and a, a similar site called 13 styles uh, okay. and that was really the, the what started the whole idea behind buy sell ads so were you were you running those websites as hobbies on the side of that full-time job well, I mean, I, I kind of started them while I was on my way out the door there. Um, so it was kind of in between um, that company called Ninefire and when I went out to do freelance again. Um, but yeah, so I was basically running these on the side as hobbies. How did you like find growing them? Was it easy? Because obviously that was a fairly crowded space, um, in, you know, the design space. Uh, maybe tell us how you grew the websites. That's probably the, since it's the start of buy, sell ads, how did you grow these two um, design-based websites? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was SEO. Um, and a lot of it was like, um, I mean, not like it, it, a lot of reblogging, you know, like um, on CSS Elite, I'd kind of keep track of lots of resources and, and things that people were posting about, how-tos, demos, stuff like that, and I'd link out to them. Um, and that turned out to be incredible for SEO. So like any sort of term that, had a decent amount of volume, um, you know, which you could find through Google search tools. I'd write some sort of, um, you know, reblog of something that links out to the original source. Um, and I'd actually end up ranking pretty well for a lot of those things. So 
a lot of SEO for CSS Elite. 13 Styles was more literally just producing quality stuff. Um, 13 Styles was a CSS menu website. Um, and so I was just producing like, you know, CSS menus. I had like 20, 30 or 40 and just giving them away for free. And, um, and so it, it naturally just got a lot of links back and stuff like that. And I mean, in terms of traffic, we're not talking like, in, you know, insane numbers. We're talking CSS, CSS Elite probably had maybe 150, 200,000 page views a month, 13 styles, maybe like 80,000 page views a month. Mm-hmm. Enough to make some money from them. That's for sure. So were they, like you said, you left the, the job. Like, why did you leave? I was just ready to go out and, um, be on my own and, and try my hand at doing my own thing. I think, um, I also think I was a little young and, and naive as well. Um, I had kind of the mindset, well, you know, why am I doing all this work when, you know, these other guys get to keep all the money that they make from me? Um, and so I, I didn't really understand the whole, um, you know, the process of like how a business is actually built and, you know, how, you know, just because you built something doesn't mean you should get paid for, you know, even 75% of it, right? There's mm-hmm. company run, there's, there's bigger things involved, you know? Okay, so your thoughts were, let me get this straight to you, it's 2005, was, or is that about the, the time you left? About 2000, 2007, actually. Seven. Okay, so you are like about 26, 27 at that stage, am I correct? Um, it's funny, I have to think about this, but I think around like 25, 26. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you've been earning a salary like the the decision to leave you were you jumping to a soft landing or were you basically did you have a bunch of money saved up and then you just said you know what i'll figure out how to make money from there what was the plan <laughs> todd yeah, that's, that's a good question um so i mean like i said i owned a little bit of the company and okay. so i ended up selling my portion back to those guys when i left um and so that gave me a little bit of a soft landing but still i, I had a lot to figure out on my own um and, you know, I, I won't lie, it's, it, every time I've left a, a company, it's scary no matter what you have saved up or, or, or what kind of plan you have. It's definitely scary. Um, and uh, But it's like the, the every time I have left a company, I've always discovered like, oh, wow, there's like this whole world out there that like I was not letting myself get to before. And you know what? Like everything's going to be okay. Right. So... <laughs> But to answer the question, the plan was just to figure it out, right? <laughs> like, yeah, no, I mean, quite literally, the plan was to figure it out. Um, I had some, um, I lined up this this freelance gig like right around the time when I was leaving. It was, I had already kind of made my decision to leave, but um, I had been talking with this company and had basically given them some sort of, you know, but it was, again, it was a freelance project, right? It wasn't like a full-time thing. Um and that company was actually is is a pretty big company right now, um, HubSpot. Oh yep. Um, and so, you know, I'd say maybe a month after I left Mindfire, um, I ended up starting maybe I'd say like fifty percent of my time at this company called HubSpot. Um, but the day I, you know, at the time that I left or, or, or gave my notice, I had a hunch that I, things were going to work out at HubSpot, but I didn't really know for sure. Um, and again, it was still freelance. So I, I was really just kind of going out and figuring it out. Okay. So you, you kind of have a, a little, you had options. In other words, you knew you could make some freelancing money here. You had a couple of websites that were growing yep. as well. So you, you're just going to see what worked was sort of the plan. Exactly. Okay. So with the two websites, it was CSS Elite and is it 13 Styles? Was that? Correct. Okay. So those two sites, you, by, I guess when you quit your job, you can spend more time on them as well. Did you think that you know they would become your main sources of income? Like, what, how open were your eyes to having a website of your own that made money? I, I'm not gonna lie; I, I still don't really think I f- like fully got the whole picture. Um, if I had been a little more clueful as to how much money you could actually make from having a, a series of sites, um, I probably would still be doing that and never would have come across the idea for buy sell ads. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so. You weren't thinking of these sites as your business. You were kind of just still indulging in, in your interest in design and, and CSS. Yeah, they were definitely still hobbies. Okay, so I'm assuming it was just you as a one-man show. You're, you're writing the content. You're the one doing all that SEO work. You're the one 
doing the designs. They were were they WordPress blogs? Yes, they're both WordPress. Okay. Uh, can you connect those two sites with like buy sell ads? Because I'm assuming by that point you must have had people coming to you to want to buy ads off those two sites. Exactly. So um, at this where we are now, there's there's two tracks that really started, and this is actually pretty important for the story. Um, so the first track is what I already hinted to, to with um, the company called HubSpot. Um, so that's one track. And then the second track is, is um, when I first started development on buy, sell ads. So I would say probably two to three months after I left MindFire and when I just started working a little bit of freelance time for HubSpot, I started um, – I guess right about around the same time as both, actually. I started working on the idea for buy-sell ads. And um, that the whole idea behind buy-sell ads, which, interestingly enough, when I first thought of the idea, it was actually called search-friendly ads because it was back when you could still kind of do some SEO-type things. And I was thinking, well, wait a second. These guys are buying ads on my site. They're also getting a link back at the same time. And so that's kind of a new angle on you know selling these ads. Right, so, so SEO-friendly advertisements. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, now that quickly, um, you know, was I quickly figured out that that actually wasn't a very good approach, and so I ditched that whole thing and then started on the just the focused on on actually buy sell ads without any sort of SEO value in the ads. Um, but I mean, that running those sites, CSS Elite and Thirteen Styles, is really what led me to the idea of buy sell ads. Now, I don't think it's fair for me to say that you know everything about buy, sell ads is incredibly original, right? Because people have been selling display ads forever. There, uh, at the time were other ad marketplaces like AdBright, Um, and you know, there are clearly many other ad networks out there. Mm. Uh, the difference, however, in my idea for buy, sell ads versus all these other ad networks and marketplaces, um, really centers around the ability to sell an ad for a fixed 30 day rate. There literally was no other ad network out there that would automate that process for you or marketplace. <clears throat> and so that's really all that buy slides was built to do in the beginning. <clears throat> Sell an ad for a fixed 30-day rate and that's it. Right. So I'm assuming you built that a lot for your own needs. Like You were just looking for... a a platform to to actually sell the ads from your your own two websites was that correct yeah i mean the thing is is like those sites i mean um i don't want to sound like a jerk and say that you know two to three thousand dollars a month in supplemental income isn't a lot of money but it wasn't enough money for me to really you know take great care of those advertisers and really spend you know the time I, i should have been spending on making that happen for them um, and so really, I, I just wanted a way to sell those ads to those advertisers without having to talk to them. Um, and the other thing I found is that every time I get an inquiry for somebody who wanted to buy ads from one of those sites, it was really frustrating because, you know, I'd reply as quickly as I could, but like half of them would just never end up coming through. And so I wanted a way to capture that impulse when they were in that state of mind when they're ready to buy something and ready to take, to take action. Um, and so really what I wanted was, you know, a conversion page, like, Oh, you want to buy an ad on the site? Okay. Just click here, pay here and we're done. And then the ads live. Right. Right. So no negotiating via email or phone call or just anything like that. Here's how much you pay per month. Here's a way to buy it. Here's a way to pay. And away you go. Yeah, exactly. Take it or leave it. Um, you know, I, I think one of the, the, the other main differences, you know, with something like a buy sell ads is that, you're not putting these fictitious, fictitious prices out there, right? You're not saying like, oh, this is a $35 CPM, buy it or not, right? Like clearly if anything that's priced unreasonable, somebody's expecting to, to negotiate. But if you price something reasonable and attach a way for somebody to actually take some sort of action by that, um, better things will happen. Mm. Uh, You're reducing so the friction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so tell us about your life though at this point because you're you're living off a combination of free, freelancing income, advertising income from your own two websites while you're sitting there personally coding up uh, buy sell ads. Is that a correct picture at around two thousand and seven? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So I'm sitting there. I'm um, you know living off some of the income from these uh, these sites, uh, my freelance work, uh, which included HubSpot at the time, and then you know sitting there 
uh, in my basement apartment with no windows and a whiteboard trying to figure out how I'm going to piece together this buy sell ads thing. And you're a one man show, right? For at this point, uh, I was for the first year, basically. Yeah, that must have been hard. <laughs> I can only imagine because you're already doing, you know, running two blogs or two websites, plus producing for another website, a big website, any other freelance gigs you have, plus, you know, doing your shopping. Like, were you married at this stage? Were you getting like, was there any kind of partnership involved? Or yeah, you know, I was. Um... I was dating who uh, is now my wife. Um, but um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely a very busy time, right? Um, I was still a little bit in party mode. I mean, I was, I was dating, so I kind of settled down a little bit, but we were still going out at night and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, if, if you want to do something, you've got to do it, right? Like, I think one of the, the, the most important things in life is getting to the point where you figure out that, Nobody's just going to hand something to you, and not, not nothing's just going to all of a sudden appear magically. You know, you've, if you want to go do something, you really have to go out there and get it done and do it yourself. And I'm assuming that's what motivated you to code up Vicel ads. You just really wanted to see it created. So you, whenever you found time, you, you got into a dark room and coded. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it, it's something I really wanted to use on my own sites. So I was like, you know. Every day I'd sit there and say, oh, man, I can't wait until I can, you know, just put this ad code here and have it, like, work magically somehow, you know? Yeah. Okay. Uh, given you were juggling so much then, and, and you know, there's a lot of people who I think when they just start their companies, that's when they can have the, the, the biggest challenges to get to the success point. What made the difference? Like, why were you able to manage so many different things so well when so many people seem to struggle you know, to to do one thing, especially because a lot of people do a full time job and they're looking to find the hours outside of the full time job to get a company going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what for you was I don't know. Is there a productivity technique or a mindset? You you mentioned before, obviously, you know, the the, the drive to want to see something created. But uh, from practical standpoint, like, <laughs> was there some structure to your life at this stage? Um. You know, it's it's like um, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound cheesy, but like we we've got 24 hours each day, right? And if you're trying to figure out how to get something done that doesn't seem like you should have enough time to get done, there's no other way than just like I mean, let's face it, you stay up late and you make certain sacrifices in order to do what you're trying to do. Um, it's it's important to note, I think, at this point in the whole um, starting of buy sell ads that I actually um, stopped doing all of my other freelance work and I'd started full-time with HubSpot. Um, and so, you know, I also tend to be a pretty honest guy. And so I was very, you know, when I was working on HubSpot, I was working on HubSpot and I was not doing anything other than HubSpot. And so Bicelads really was an early morning and late at night kind of thing. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the type of thing where, um, and I know I'm, I'm trying to figure out a way to answer your question. I, I guess I just don't really have any good answer. Yeah, uh, one of the things I'm noticing about you, Todd, is you you seem to be a bit of a jack of all trades in in, in certainly tech because you're coding software as well as doing design work and publishing, which I'm assuming means you're writing. Uh, th- those are three areas where I think not everyone's usually good at three. You're not usually a designer, a developer, and a writer, a content creator. Um, is there something special about you in that regard? Uh, I mean, I'm definitely not special. I'll be the first one to tell you that. I think um, <laughs> I I also uh, don't think I want to show anybody, um, you know, my actual coding skills, right? In terms of like backend stuff, um, you know, at, at one point we we actually rewrote the entire code base code base of Bicel Ads. So I'm clearly not a very skilled developer. Um, but I knew how to hack hack by slides together well enough such that it worked and it actually you know did what it said it was supposed to do um, well so, enough right, right to get the job done you got um, your MVP out there yeah but I mean I, I think in terms of jack of all trades you know I, I definitely feel like you know having some sort of front end user interface skills is definitely a very very valuable skill for any kind of founder or person who's starting a business because if you're able to take you know, how you're conceptualizing this thing in your mind and this vision 
and actually translate it into something that, you know, you can see and touch and feel and that works. That's, you know, you're connecting the dots a hell of a lot faster than somebody who's not doing that. Um, that isn't to say that, you know, people who, who, you know, founders that aren't, you know, front end UI people can't, you know, do as good a job as, as I can do, because clearly there are plenty of founders that are doing a hell of a lot better than I'm doing. But my point is that, you know, in order to get from that idea and that vision into something that's functional, um, I'd like to think that it's, it's maybe a little quicker. Um, it comes together maybe a little, little quicker, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, well, take us forward then through the the process of of launching buy sell ads. How did it go? Sure. So at this point, I had been working at HubSpot for um, combined freelance and full time status for about a year and a half. Um, and so, buy sell ads at this point has also sat on the shelf, finished for about six months without launching. Um, so clearly, if I could go back and launch buy sell ads six months sooner, I'd do that. But um, the, the fact is I was, I was scared to launch it. I was like, you know, I was thinking to myself, Oh, you know, nobody's going to like it. Um, and it, I'm sure it sounds pretty crazy, right? Like, did you really let it sit on the shelf for six months? Um, sure. I mean, there were some things that had to be done. There were some, 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 you know, loose ends that still had to be tied up for me to actually launch it. But it was the core buy sell ads was effectively fully finished for about six months before I launched. So you're and, just afraid. Yeah, man, I, I was a wimp. <laughs> <laughs> I've experienced this many times before when we rewrote the entire code base. Um, I was absolutely terrified to relaunch it. Um, I'm going through it right now. We're, we're gearing up to launch what we're calling our buy slides pro product. And you know, this thing we originally said was going to, to launch in like January of this year. That's, um, I think that's nine months ago. So <laughs> yep. it's been state to launch for about two months now, but we just keep polishing and polishing and polishing. And, we finally gotten to the point where we're, we're actually going to launch it, but um, a lot of what's held us back from launching it now versus two to three months ago is me, right? Like I just have this thing where it's like I don't know. I need to make sure that it's ready. I don't feel if it, it's good enough. Like you know, it still needs to have some work done. Um, so not one of my best qualities. But. <laughs> Perfectionism was a, I was a trap for entrepreneurs. Um, what was the plan with Bicycle Ads when you first launched it? Was it uh, just put it out there and, and see who used it? Or was it really like, I'm going to make money from this? You know, you're going to take a cut from advertising straight away. Yeah, so the, 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 the goal of Bicycle Ads in the first year, I wanted to get to the point where I was making $5,000 a month, right? Okay. Um, so you can see at the outset, my my goal and vision for this wasn't as big as it is now. It was very, um, very naive, very, you know, um, I just had no clue what I was getting myself into. I won't lie. Um, and but you had a business model ready to go. Yeah, I mean the business model was rock solid. The Excel spreadsheets looked great. Um, <laughs> everything worked out right. But um, again, I was I was shooting very very low for this. I, I really didn't have any sort of you know background in display advertising or or um, you know startups as we call them now. I mean I feel like there's a lot more. Uh, there's a much larger kind of startup movement now, a lot more education, a lot more literature, a lot more kind of buzz out there and, and um, people advocating for what it takes to actually build these companies. You know, around the time I launched Buy, Sell, Ads, it definitely wasn't to the point that it is now. Maybe it was like that in Silicon Valley, but it definitely wasn't like that in Boston. Mm, okay. Um, so, but when I say you had a business model, you, you were planning on, here's an advertising management tool that allows you to sell direct to sponsors on a monthly basis, like a set time basis. Mm -hmm. But if you use it, I'm, I'm going to take a cut from those ad sales. Like that was what you have from day one. Exactly. Okay. So can you tell us what happened? Like, did you just press the on button and then tell a few websites that this was available or how did you roll it out? Yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much how it went. So I, I put the site live. I put my own websites on it. Um, I reached out to some, some folks that had sites in my same uh, niche, I guess I'd say, who I'd become friends with through running those sites. Um, and, you know, it, it was literally like the first handful of people I reached out to were like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I need and got set up. Um, and then, I mean, you know, if, if I look back, um, I can pull this up here, but I actually kind of know it by heart. Um, if I look back th through the first, like, three months of, of launching the site, it – quite literally took off. 
Why do you think that is? Was it something about the market? Because I'm assuming you were in the design space, so it was mostly design websites who started using you. Um, and I mean, I've got a little insight, I guess, in this area because I've been looking to take clients on for our own uh, similar type of service. And you know, you, you face resistance about taking a 25% cut from advertising, and if they're not a large enough website, they're not going to make any ad sales anyway. So, you know, mm. how did this all roll out? for you so well, I guess is the question. Yeah. You know, I think it's because we were solving one thing that was very, very, it was very clear what what it was that we were solving for these publishers and they got it right away because they were selling ads the same way I was selling ads on my hobby sites. Mm -hmm. And it's that we were providing their advertisers and them a way to like close a deal very, very quickly without anybody having to do anything except upload an ad and pay for it. Um, and so, and that's the only one thing that we did really, really well. Um, it's important to note that back when we first launched, a ton of stuff was manual. You know, if you needed to cash out money or, or withdraw money from your publisher account, you literally had to send me an email. If you wanted to cancel a subscription or if you were an advertiser wanted to cancel a subscription, you just send me an email. Um, and so there was a lot of these manual processes kind of built around the site, um, but the one thing that we did really well was fully automated. Okay, so and I'm assuming there wasn't a lot of available options to to do what it did at the time. Like you, because I know in, in 2007 there would have been open ads, which is now Open X, I think. Mm-hmm. The different or PHP ads new. It went through so many different iterations. So there were definitely ad rotation services and plugins and and scripts. Um, that allowed some of this process to be automated. Did you just hit the sweet spot? You think? Um, you, you know, I think I think it was just the way that we did it. It was the um, the fixed thirty day rates and the subscriptions. Um, you know, um, the fixed thirty day rates is how these publishers were selling, and the subscriptions is how the advertisers wanted to buy. You know, I think subscriptions really get a bad rap because people think instantly like, oh, you know, we're trying to trick people um, into you know keeping this running longer than they want. It's not the case at all. Advertisers love subscriptions. All right. So take us forward then from that point. The, the three months, you've had some rapid growth. Did you get to your 5,000 uh, month target quickly? I think like the second month. Wow. Amazing. So how many sites did you sign up by then? Uh, there's probably about 30 to 40 sites running in the marketplace by the second month. So they must have been fairly high quality sites. You're not getting a lot of low traffic sites at that stage. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely got. Um, I mean, they're all decent, very decent sites. So, okay. Um, at this point, I, I'm assuming you're starting to feel the pressure of, you know, having to deal with these clients. If you're because these are all like you said, it was manual processes. So you're you're going to start getting a bunch of email. Uh, can you, I guess, take us through this kind of growth stage where you you must start thinking about hiring people. Uh, your code base, so you've got your development needs, your customer service needs, um, all of these different roles gonna, are going to become more and more difficult for one person to do. So how did you manage the growth? Sure. Um, so also important to note, I, I was still actually working full-time at HubSpot at this time. Right. Um, and so this was still a night and weekend, early morning, whatever type project for that entire first year. So in February 2008 is when we sold our first ad. And then I was working full time at HubSpot through the end of 2008. So literally, like you know, January 1st, 2009 is when I went out on my own to do this full time. But for those first, um, you know, 11 months, I was I was still working full time. Um, I mean, you know, in terms of the the, the growth and stuff like that, I mean, um, it literally like it, when I look back today, it still amazes me how quickly things grew. Um, and but I mean, I have to say, I loved it. Like the 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 whole you know, issue behind people having to email me for, you know, silly stuff like withdrawing money and, and canceling subscriptions. I loved it, right? Because it gave me that opportunity to engage with all these users. And, you know, I, I really just enjoyed getting to know all these 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 people. Um, there's a lot of them, you know, a lot of our early users from that first year, even first two years, when we were doing all this stuff manually that I'm still really good friends with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you, you mentioned something earlier, too, about the 25% being a lot. Um, you'd be really surprised. I mean, there are some folks that think 25% is a lot, and, you know, um, maybe for them it is, right? But there are others where they sit back and they think, well, you know, I can either spend 
here and let them deal with all that stuff. Or I can, you know, save that time and I can work on this where I'm clearly going to make more than just the 25% I'm forfeiting. Mm. That being said, though, did you offer some sort of like ability to find them advertisers at this stage or, um, or really it was just about the software and that's what the 25% was paying for the, you know, the, the ability to, um, easily take payments from advertisers and subscriptions, as you said, because if there weren't many options, I suppose as a value proposition, that makes sense at that stage too, where today, maybe given there's more options and some people won't take 25% or some will take 50% if you're like Google AdSense or something like that. Um, yeah, it's, it was a different place, I guess. And this is five years ago, right? Yeah. I mean, this is definitely a while ago. Um, there were definitely fewer options. Um, but you know, I think, um, you know, the, the, the 25% when I ran the math and, you know, built my spreadsheets and stuff like that, that was literally, um, you know, the lowest I could go and actually turn this into a business. Mm, Yep. Um, how I got to the 25% was was, you know, just putting my kind of thumb in the air and saying, Oh, let's do 25%. And then when I went actually through the process of seeing how that worked out with our expenses and, and growth and stuff like that, that's actually like anybody trying to do this for less than 25%, I get a great chuckle and I just kind of, you know, say, well, good luck, my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's hard for anything less than that. Yeah, I agree. So take us through the growth. So, Towards, I'd say, um, maybe four to five months after launch, um, things were growing nicely. The software really started to become a pretty big strain. Um, and I realized that, you know, I had to do things to the software and, and, and improve the software to keep up with this growth because there's so many things that people are asking for. People that are loving the service, loving the, the site, but they need these, you know, extra things to make it uh, that much better for them. Um, and so that's when I really started figuring out, you know, okay, when am I going to leave HubSpot? How am I going to leave HubSpot? Um, and what am I going to do with buy slides once I kind of get out there, you know, how am I going to hire people and stuff like that? Um, and so, you know, my first hire, um, in terms of like a, 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 a full-time hire, right. Um, was a developer and basically what we did is we rewrote the entire code base together in about four months time. Um, him doing the back end and myself doing the front end. At that time we had brought on uh, two extra people to help us out with support. Um, but these, these, these folks were part time. They're still with us today. Um, so no discredit to them in, in terms of not calling them, you know, first full time hire, but they were, they were part time guys. Um, and uh, you know, um, they definitely helped us, helped us really keep all of those users engaged and stuff like that. So, and I assume you were bootstrapping, so there was no investment ever along this. It was just taking the cash flow from the business, paying the people you hired. Yep, exactly. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm pretty simple minded when it comes to business. It's okay. So I I made a dollar, and now I've got you know eighty five cents to spend. Um, you know, on 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 growth, right, and fifteen cents for myself. So, okay. Can you, rather than go through, I guess, you know, there's been five years uh, since you started Buy, Sell, Ads, any kind of major hiccups along the way or anything in particular that really, you know, changed the direction of the company? Because it's a big difference, I guess, from 5000 a month to a six-figure business then a seven-figure business, and you're almost towards an eight-figure business now as well. So, you know, how does that happen? Oh man, it's, uh, you know, it's really easy to sit here four or five years, um, past and look back. Um, and, uh, you know, at this point it feels like it was easy because (laughs) I feel like what we're doing right now is that much harder. Um, but I mean, I, I mean, I've definitely gone through a lot of ups and downs with buy sell ads, uh, you know, definitely emotionally, mentally, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's been a really hard road just because, um, yeah, we're in a very competitive space, um, you know, we're bootstrapped. And so we tend to get a lot less attention in that sense from, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, tech blogs and stuff, Mm -hmm. people who, you know, maybe we all feel like matter, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. You know, um, I don't know. We've been working. I don't know how else to say it. We've just been working our asses off. (laughs) Well, maybe I can be more specific in terms of uh, the two 
two elements of the business that I guess drive your company is getting new websites to use buy sell ads and getting new advertisers to to purchase advertisements. So you you get your twenty five percent there too and drive your your cash flow. Um, at some point, like if you had to you know, to hire a sales team to, to recruit both sides of the, that relationship or has it all been organic? So a decent percentage has been organic. Um, and that has been, um, you know, one thing that I'm, I'm pretty proud of about buy sell ads is that we've been able to, to kind of, you know, churn up that organic growth. Um, and then the other side is exactly what you said. Um, you know, having a team that helps recruit and onboard folks, um, both on the advertiser and publisher side, um, we don't really call them salespeople per se. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all, um, you know, kind of account managers in a way. We have our, you know, group of advertisers and publishers that we take care of, and um, let's say like the, the specific verticals that we focus on in terms of, of growing within our marketplace. Um, and you know, I, I think um, one thing about Biosolids that's very important is that we let ourselves get very attached to all of our users. And so we advocate for them pretty aggressively, um, whether it be on the advertiser and publisher side. Um, and we stay very, uh, you know, it, 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 it's like we're Switzerland in the middle of, uh, you know, the advertiser and the publisher. <laughs> right. We, we, we don't get into any conflicts and we kind of arbitrate and we, we, um, you know, any sort of, you know, disagreements and stuff. And we, you know, try and make good sound, decisions. We, we just do what we call good business. You know, when, when people ask, you know, um, well, how do you, you know, how do you figure out what is right to do between this advertiser and this publisher? It's like, I don't know. We just do what seems like the right thing to do and it's worked out for us. Right. Uh, it's almost like you have to be uh, relationship managers here at the same time because you, you're dealing with those two groups. You have to get them on the phone and find out two sides of the story and, and then decide, you know, what really happened and, and make a decision from there. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and, and I think in terms of growth, I think, you know, another big thing for us is that we're very, very transparent. And so you can go into our marketplace at any time. You can see what's sold and what's not sold for any, for any publisher. And so, you know, if you have a site, let's say like a, a really popular Apple site or Mac blog or whatever you want to call it, and you're looking around and seeing, you know, who, what websites are making good money in that vertical, you're going to go through our inventory, see, you know, 10, 15, 20 sites, and you're like, holy shit, they're making a lot of money. And you know exactly where that money's coming from, and that's mm-hmm. from us. So it makes a very, very strong, you know, case for that publisher to sign up with us. And then, you know, let's, let's picture them. They, they go, they fill out the form, they start talking to us, and they're like, oh, wow, these guys actually know what they're doing. You know, they're not a bunch of, bunch of jerks. They reply to me. They reply quickly. They speak intelligently, and they sound like they know how to help me get from where I am right now to where I want to be. Um, and so that's you know that's what's worked for us really. How big is your company now? Like, how many people are employed? Um, and are you in an office? Like, what's what's the today situation? Sure. So there's uh, I think there's 13 of us now. Um, and I always don't really know exactly how many people work here because we've been basically trying to hire as quickly as we can. And, uh, you know, as often as we find smart people, we'll, we'll hire them because we're in a, a really strong growth phase right now. Um, and the other reason is because we're remote. Everybody's remote. And so it's, uh, there's myself and one other, one other gentleman in an actual office in Boston. Um, and then we're all spread out. We, we have folks in Texas, California, uh, North Carolina, uh, Toronto, um, just outside Toronto, uh, Montreal, um, Germany, a couple in London, Romania. Um, and I guarantee you I'm forgetting somebody and I'm going to feel guilty if they listen to this, but, um, <laughs> how does, how do you like, <laughs> cause that's not intentional. I'm assuming you're just looking for the best people. Um, how do these people come to you? Do you put job ads out there and then they just apply from anywhere in the world? You pick the best person. Like, how does this work? We pick people who understand what our users are trying to accomplish. So whether it's on the advertiser or publisher side, um, and the vast majority of folks that we actually have hired have been users of our service in some capacity, whether an advertiser or a publisher. Um, just two weeks ago, we hired like one of our, I'd call one of our kind of mid-tier publishers, right? So it's a guy who's right in our sweet spot, making a good amount of money from us each month, totally gets the problem we're trying to solve on the publisher side. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, now he's working for us. 
it's amazing what internet companies can be like at the moment with like the, like that 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 spread of where people work and they're all doing it remotely and you got different time zones yet i'm assuming because they've got some fairly segmented roles they don't really need to interact with each other too much um so they can just work with <coughs> the clients and they're good to go yeah i mean um you know we use uh we use a a tool from 37 signals called campfire right um, that keeps us, you know, fairly well connected during the day in terms of, uh, you know, when, when people need to help each other out, obviously we have Skype, um, we have uh, a pretty good, um, kind of task system built within to our admin panel that we use for the site. Um, you know, there are people on the team who, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk to them like, you know, once every few days. And then there are other people on the team who are in campfire joking around the whole time. And I've got to remind them that there's, there's stuff we got to get done, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, everybody who's, who's working for us, like they, um, as far as I know, they actually want to be working for us, you know, <laughs> so enjoy what they're doing. I mean, I, I, it gets back to like, you know, life in general. Like if you're doing something right now that you're not enjoying, then, you know, you got a problem, man, because we're not here that long. So you might as well do something that you're going to enjoy. Otherwise, what, what the hell's the point? Right. Um, you know, and I, and I think that's, uh, that's what I love most about by slides is that I still really, really love what I'm doing. Um, and that's important. Okay. Which leads to a, a sort of a good kind of wrap up question, Todd, what, what is the day in the life for you now? Like, how do you live your life? Cause I'm assuming, you know, you, you've got, a fairly large chunk of a, a you know an almost ten million dollar company now. I don't think you've obviously gone the whole buy the Ferrari and you know live the the, <laughs> the first class flights kind of lifestyle <laughs> just yet. But um, you know have, how how has your life changed uh, as a result of buy sell ads? Sure thing. Um, so uh, just to, to puff the buy sell ads chest real quick, we're definitely over ten million. No, um, <laughs> okay. the 8.5 was 2011 yep. and we're still growing. Um, I mean, I, I still do a lot of, and this is probably a quality of mine that isn't that great. I still do basically, you know, I'd say like 90% of our front end UI work. Um, but it's just because it's something I really, really love and we're still in a, a very heavy like product development phase. And so that's what I, I, where I feel I can help the company the most right now. Um, you know, uh, on the personal side, my, my wife is expecting, um, my wife and I are expecting our first child in October. And so, you know, a lot of my personal life has been centered around, you know, for example, this weekend I'm decorating our nursery and, you know, stuff like that, getting ready for uh, our first child. Um, oh, I feel like I just lost my train of thought. Day in the life. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm assuming you're still working a nine to five for buy, sell ads, or, or do you sort of, you know, throw the hours because uh, you, you said you go in office, so you must have to have set hours. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I'm still hustling. It's definitely more than a nine to five. Yeah. Um, I typically wake up about 6 a.m. I'm uh, on the 6.50 a.m. boat into uh, work. Um, you know, as soon as I step on the boat, my laptop's open, and I'm typically on the, the 5.40 or, or 6 p.m. boat home um, and working till I, you know, reach the dock at like 6.30 or so. Um, you know... It's still all hustle, you know. It, it, it's like I'm still in kind of that like days of a phase where, you know, hopefully I'll wake up from it at some point two or three years from now, and we'll have this huge company behind us. Um, but we're still really just it's all it's just all hustle right now. So is um, that the plan for the future though? Like, uh, do you? I'm assuming you expect at some point you're going to sell out and um, no longer need to do the long hours, but uh, or, or you know what's are you still making it up as you go along? Like, what are you thinking about the future? So, um, oh, I mean, overall, I probably sound pretty like wishy-washy. Like, who is this guy like trying to grow this company? He sounds like kind of a, a, a I don't know, kind of kind of aloof. Um, but <laughs> you sound like a startup yeah. still. That, that's for sure. Like, um, you know, you, you sound like you've got personal heavy involvement still in the company. Like, the front end is all mostly you. So, if we look at buy sell ads right now, we're seeing your work as we look at the site, right? Exactly. Um, and, you know, you're putting in long hours yourself. You've got a distributed company. And, you know, I guess 
it's because it's your baby and it's still your passion. So you're very truly heavily involved and you, and you see things you want to see built still. I'm mm-hmm. guessing at some point you must think, though, that'll be enough and I want to exit or not. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, you know, I don't think we're going to reach that point for a little while and I'll tell you why. Um, right now, our current marketplace, it's a very important part of our business right now and, and going forward. But in terms of, of revenue and, you know, um, what it does, I think if we fast forward two, three years from now, it's actually going to be one of the smaller pieces of our business. Um, right now, we're, we're getting ready to launch our first new product, which is um, Publisher Pro. And so keep in mind, you know, for the first four to five years of this business, the marketplace is the business. There's nothing more. Um, and that is what, you know, has fueled all of, all of our growth until now. Uh, this Publisher Pro product is us kind of, you know, taking a, a, a step up, right, and saying, okay, so we have this marketplace and people are buying and selling ads and that's great and, and it's a it's a, a nice business and employs, you know, all 12 of us and we have a good time, whatever, but there's got to be more. And so Publisher Pro is our first step into trying to figure out what more is out there. Um, we believe that we can still help publishers do a hell of a lot more than what they're doing just through our marketplace and, you know, on the same token, we help, we believe that we can help advertisers do a heck of a lot more than what they're just doing through our marketplace now. And, you know, if you think about, you know, people buying and selling display advertising directly from each other as the marketplace, um, and then all the other advertising and all the other monetization they're doing outside of that, it's just a much, much bigger space than just the marketplace. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think... Um, you know, we're also in a period where advertising online is, is definitely changing. Um, how? I'm not really sure. Um, but I feel like we're a pretty young, pretty um, nimble, I guess I'd say, company in the space who will hopefully be in a position to capitalize on any sort of change that happens. And hopefully we can be part of any sort of change that would happen. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I, there's just there's so much going on in the ad space. It's so it's still so incredibly young in terms of uh, this industry overall. And I'm just really excited that you know we're a company that loves to build software and are still young enough without the type of baggage that some of these larger companies have, such that we can innovate in a time that's really important, which is right now. You know, it'll be interesting to see when your baby is born, how you you know go with. Uh, you know, time management and, and, um, because obviously some, you'll have slightly less time with the baby there. So, uh, theoretical, theoretical. yeah, it sounds like you, you're not thinking exit at all right now. You just have too much you want to build and that's, that's the plan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we've, we've had a couple opportunities to exit, um, and any opportunity that comes along, I definitely entertain it, you know, quite honestly, because it's kind of fun to, um, go through that process up into the point where you actually have to do any work. And usually when it comes to the point in time where they ask me to do work is when I say, ah, never mind. I was just trying to see what, you know, what you're up to anyway. Um, <laughs> that sounded, that made me sound like a real dick. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I, I don't want to come across that way, but, um, yeah, I mean, we're definitely, I mean, an exit is like a complete afterthought at this point, because if we were to sell the company now, I'd always wonder what it could have been if we had kept pushing along and, moving toward the vision that we're trying to build. Mm. Um, and I don't want to live with that wonder for the rest of my life, especially, you know, in case this is the last, you know, exciting thing that I'm able to do. So, yeah, fair enough. All right, Todd. Well, I think it's a, a great time to wrap up the interview. So thank you for taking the time to tell the story. Uh, uh, there's a, Oh, you've done a lot, but obviously buy, sell ads is a massive highlight there. Uh, let's just, finish up with just one last question here uh, which is really just the question i ask everyone who comes on these interviews because the people who listen to these interviews are usually in a situation where they they haven't had a successful business yet they, they're still trying to figure out what works and quit their job have enough money to travel or, or do whatever exciting creative craft that they like to do um, but reaching a, a cash flow positive business is quite challenging uh, it sounds like to me you've haven't really had too much problems or maybe in hindsight it sounds like that but kind of like every project you've touched whether it's been the you know the two hobby websites that grew to enough to make two to three thousand dollars a month in advertising income um, you always had the freelance work available to you when you quit your job um, you know 
do you, what would you give advice to these people who maybe don't seem to get that kind of result or maybe maybe it wasn't that easy for you i don't know but um, whatever the case is like what's the key to getting that point where you feel comfortable enough to live off whatever project uh, you're doing you know you just got to find something that you you truly love doing um if i love buy sell ads just for the money it probably you know, we probably wouldn't be working to grow the company like we are now. And, you know, for me, um, you know, building software is what I truly love to do. And so I know as long as I can, you know, you know, uh, rub two sticks together and, and figure out how to make at least a little bit of smoke and somewhat of a fire that I can probably take care of myself from building software. And so that kind of, um, understanding that I myself, that, that that's a passion of mine makes me feel comfortable in, in, in what I'm doing. I think, you know, mm. uh, clearly it's easier for me to say that now that I'm on a little bit of the other side of the fence in terms of, you know, buy slots already up and running, you know, providing a salary, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you really just have to find something that you truly love doing. And if you're not doing something that you love doing, then you really got to think, think pretty hard and, and figure out what it is that you will love to do, you know? Mm. All right, that's a great, great point to end on. It's passion, not just the money, and I think that's been a consistent point for a lot of people. Although I still know a lot of people who decide just to, you know, make enough money, like go for a project that's about the money, just so they can have a little bit of cash coming, and that seems to rarely work. So there's obviously got to be a connection here to the motivation yeah. behind it. So that's another person reinforcing that point. So uh, thank you, Todd. Um, thank you again for sharing this story. Obviously. Um, the main website, if you want to check out your work, is buysellads.com. Are there any other websites you want to shout out to? Um, all I'd say is uh, look out for pro.buysellads.com pretty soon. Okay, chances are when you listen to this, that may be out already. So go check that out, and uh, I look forward to seeing that as well, Todd. So uh, thank you again. Great. Thank you very much, Yara. I had a great time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Now, for anyone else interested in uh, more interviews like this with Todd, there's a whole back catalog at entrepreneurs-journey.com. That's my blog. If you Google Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, you'll find it that way. And you can just click the podcast interviews tab to find uh, all the interviews. So thanks for listening. Thanks, Todd. And I'll catch you again very soon. Bye-bye.